0: This is Wits, the podcast from American Public Media. I'm John Moe. Okay, let me fill you in on how this all works. We do this show at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul. It's called Wits, and we bring in musicians and comedians and actors and authors, and we do some comedy and we play some songs and do some interviews and have all kinds of surprises and things happen that we never expected would happen. It is a great big fiesta of fun. And then we turn it into a radio show. Now, when we have a new one of those stage shows to present to you, that's what you will find here on this podcast. When we don't have a new stage show that week, we'll do more of a studio thing. We'll talk to some pals. We'll play some bits from previous shows. We'll have a good time. This week is one of those studio weeks. What do we have on today's show, producer Larissa Anderson?
1: Well, we are going to talk with John Roderick.
0: John Roderick, musician, writer, bon vivant.
1: Yeah, we noticed he was tweeting about nuclear war and 80s entertainment, and we thought that would make for some good conversation.
0: Yeah, well, nothing better on a comedy podcast than nuclear annihilation, than the wiping out of life itself, because that's comedy gold.
1: Right, and then we're going to hear some music from when Roderick was on Wits.
0: He was on Wits and he played a very complicated song. And this was, uh, if I didn't already love our own band leader, John Munson, this would make me love him all the more. He...
1: It made me love him all the more. I was in the production booth watching it, and there was a point where I thought is this song going to fall apart? And it didn't. It like yeah. rose up. It was just the most amazing thing. Well, and
0: I don't play music, and I noticed that they were kind of like whispering things to each other during the song, and I'm like, what, what would they be talking about? Turns out like Roderick was kind of calling the song and the chord changes... <laughs> During the song, because he was changing it on the spot, and Munson was keeping up with it. It was
1: brilliant. It was beautiful to watch, and it's also great to listen to. Yeah, you
0: you don't hear any of those seams in this performance. It just sounds like a great song, which it is.
1: Yeah, it is. So all that's coming up, but first you're going to talk with a newsmaker.
0: Yes, I am. Thank you very much. President Barack Obama and former Massachusetts Governor Mitt Romney argued over military spending at Monday night's debate. Romney said cutbacks to the Navy were a big mistake. And the president responded.
2: I think Governor Romney maybe uh, hasn't spent enough time looking at how our military works. You, You mentioned the Navy, for example, and that we have fewer ships than we did in 1916. Well, Governor, we also have fewer horses and bayonets because the nature of our military has changed.
0: We wanted to talk to someone who is uniquely qualified on this issue, and fortunately, we, we did. We found someone who is an expert on both war and horses, and he joins us, I'm told, from a Starbucks in West Hollywood. Please welcome from the 2011 movie War Horse, War Horse. War Horse, thanks for being here.
2: Oh, uh, thanks for having me, John.
0: What did you think of the president calling out horses and bayonets as examples of outdated technology?
2: How did I feel about being a punchline, you mean? Had, had people laughing at the very idea of a horse because horses are so ridiculous and useless?
0: Uh, look, I'm sorry to make you upset, Warhorse. I was just wondering.
2: No, no, no I'm, I'm sorry, John. I, I'm just very frustrated. You didn't make me upset. What, okay. what makes me upset is the systemic discrimination that I face as a horse. Look, o- Obama gets rid of don't ask, don't tell. I think he's going for more equality in the armed forces. But then if you're a horse and you want to serve, sorry, we don't have a a place for you oh,
0: well I mean you have to admit warhorse that cars are faster and they can carry more weight than than horses and as a soldier I mean a lot of the equipment the weapons the gear is better suited to personnel who have you know um, uh,
2: say it opposable thumbs yeah yeah All- Want as horses is a chance especially with bayonets imagine an army with a thousand two thousand horses and bayonets strapped all over them on their heads on their backs all over their legs, pointy stabby horses just running at the enemy
0: well, i mean it, it's it's a strong image it's it's evocative oh yeah, but war horse that's the problem the enemies that America faces now aren't in standing armies that you could just run through and, and stab with bayonet strapped to yourself. It's, it's insurgent attacks. It's roadside bombs, and you have to be nimble. And, you know, most horses, I mean, y- look, you can talk. You're a successful actor. I don't know how that happened, but most horses aren't terribly bright. They go where people lead them.
2: John, I, I wish you weren't right, but you, ha- you have a point there. It's a, it's a sore spot in our community. I mean, would you
0: want to even join the Army?
2: Me? No, no, no. I want other horses to have that chance, sure. But, you know, I'm pretty busy with my film career at the moment. Oh,
0: really? I I know you were in the movie War Horse.
2: That's right. I I played the War Horse.
0: Right, right. Well, uh, what other movies have you done since then?
2: Oh, it's been crazy. I think five feature films, and and I'm co-starring in Boardwalk Empire now. Uh, Marty Scorsese is a new project that I'm about to start shooting, uh, co-starring with uh, Leo DiCaprio in that one.
0: Warhorse. Are you being honest with me? And I'm dating Jennifer
2: Aniston. We make out all the time.
0: Warhorse. I'm
2: unemployed. Okay, is that what you want me to say, John? This horseism goes way beyond the military. Horseism? There are no parts for horses in any movie this year. Avengers, no horses. The Dark Knight Rises. Well, he rises without any horses.
0: I think there was a horse in Brave.
2: That was an animated movie. Why don't you go to hell?
0: Warhorse. I'm. I'm. I'm really sorry. I keep making you upset. I'm an artist. It
2: goes with the territory. I am temperamental.
0: Well, okay, understood. And, you know, you're right. Acting is a tough profession. Thank you. So, what are you doing with your time now?
2: I'm, you know, working on a screenplay, actually. It's like a romantic comedy, but with action and superheroes, but all the characters are, you know... uh, Horses? Horses, exactly.
0: Well, uh, good luck with that. I, I hope you have a lot of success.
2: I have a friend who knows Rafalka, the Romney's Olympic horse, so maybe we can get some financing there. But, you know, for now, I got to finish the script. And that's hard because I have large cloven hooved feet and I keep smashing my laptop to pieces. I,
0: I see. Because I'm, you
2: know, a horse.
0: A horse, right, right. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Warhorse.
2: Well, thank you. <laughs>
0: Here's another bit from Monday's debate. President Obama was needling Mitt Romney over comments that Romney had made about Russia being America's biggest geopolitical threat.
2: In the 1980s are now calling to ask for their foreign policy back because you know the Cold War has been over for 20 years.
0: Now some of us remember the 80s very, very well, including John Roderick. John's a singer, songwriter, frontman of the band The Long Winters, and he has appeared on Wits before. Recently, John wrote on Twitter about some 80s music that he had been listening to, and the discussion took a really odd turn.
3: I was making breakfast, and I decided to listen to some great Frankie Goes to Hollywood jams. Sure. And uh, the more I listened to them, the more I detected in them um, all this, well, I mean, some of it's overt, like Two Tribes Go to War. Yes. What was, is overtly a song about the Cold War. We got But the more I listened to the, the record, the more I heard the Cold War throughout the music. It reminded me of the paranoia that I felt as a child in the 70s and the 80s about the Soviets. Yes. And it it got me thinking that really all the pop music of the 80s was infused with this kind of Cold War fatalism. And the more I thought about it, I started tweeting about it, and I was getting replies from all around the world People talking about the the Cold War and 80s popular culture.
0: (laughs) I mean, people are recording pop songs, dance songs uh, about nuclear annihilation because there was I mean, it's not just it's not just ruminating on the the Cold War and the kind of standoff, the detente that was there. But playing it out further, the end game we all just logically assumed would be we're all killed by nuclear weapons.
3: Yeah, that we were going to dance our way into the mushroom cloud because we were so impotent to... To have any effect over whether it was going to happen or not, the more I thought about it, and the more the people were re- replying to me, I just saw it imbuing the culture.
0: Now, <sighs> I I think a lot of the you know the younger uh, whippersnappery folks who might be listening to this uh, to this podcast, the doe-eyed young people, John, <laughs> can you describe what it's like? I mean, did you really go through every day with this thought in your mind of this of this inevitable end? I mean, and describe what that might. Feel like to somebody who never experienced that.
3: Well, it's a it's a thing where because because the the threat of the Soviet Union existed before I was born. Growing up as a kid, there was a kind of fait accompli that permeated our culture. You know, we are in an arms race with these godless communists across the water, and also. They have enough warheads to destroy every American city a thousand times over. And we have enough warheads to destroy every American city or every uh, Soviet city a thousand times over. And these warheads and the decision to launch them is in the hands of our elected officials who we routinely accuse of corruption, who we routinely accuse of being not smart enough to handle like Small matters of the local economy, you know what I mean? Like yeah, we, we lost our th-
0: innocence years ago with with Nixon and Watergate and and Kennedy being shot. So you
3: know, there's no trust anymore. Yeah, we don't hold President Ford in high esteem, <laughs> and yet he is the only thing between us and the decision to push this what, what what was characterized as a solitary button on a desk,
0: right? If and if it depends on computers. Young people of today picture the faultiest computer you ever ever <laughs> dealt with <laughs> and with then, a seven inch floppy disk right make a seven inch floppy disk and then make it ten times more unreliable and <laughs> th- that's what our defense infrastructure was hanging on
3: yeah so it seemed like listen it's a it's it's going to happen it has to happen yeah so it's just a matter of when it happens and and then the suggestion you know was throughout that it is meant to be a surprise when it does happen so there won't be a lot of warning and you really did you walked through every day kind of saying well i hope i get to kiss a girl i hope that when the bombs go off i am hiding under my desk and i survive long enough to become like part of a ragtag group of hardy <laughs> survivors that rebuild human civilization right. and maybe maybe if that happens i'll have I'll have multiple wives, and th- and I'll have to. One of them will have to kiss me, and uh, you know what I mean. Like I'll yeah. I will be responsible. It won't even be a thing where they have to like me. We'll just have to be repopulating the earth.
0: Yeah, and how can I get in good with the right road warrior gang? Because picking the right gang is so important. I mean, we were teenage boys; these were our considerations. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and people of our generation, I think, have to then go out into the world. In your case go out into the world and start bands named the long winters.
3: Right. Uh, Which, which it now uh, more and more occurs to me was a, uh, was maybe a coded reference to nuclear winter, or maybe, I mean, I have no idea how much the grunge music scene that I came up in and the kind of fatalistic, no future, no hope. We are losers mentality that that grunge scene embodied, how much of that was, I, and I and I think quite a bit of it was a leftover residue of having grown up in a world where people were sort of <laughs> sort of saying to us in everything we did, well, probably what college you go to won't matter when we're all vaporized in a in the Holocaust. <laughs> right. But anyway, you know, hope you do well on the SAT. <laughs> I do feel like though that there was never a period of acknowledgement of our loss of innocence or whatever it was. I mean, to, to whatever degree you can say, because we spend so much time worrying about, Oh, I, uh, my kid overheard me fighting with my wife and I'm afraid it scarred him for life. Right. Or, Oh, I, I uh, my kid ate a, a piece of packaged food that was not sufficiently artisanal. <laughs> and maybe he's maybe he's going to have a pancreatic uh, disease at some point, but no one ever said, Oh, my kid spent 20 years thinking his death was imminent right. and that he w- that he was powerless to do anything about it because an Asian horde had missiles pointed at him personally because he lived in the wrong town. I noticed also on
0: on your Twitter feed, you re- you retweeted a lot of people from all over the U.S. who were convinced that their exact town was was where the first bombs would hit. I grew up in Seattle, and we all agreed, well, Boeing is here. Of course they're going to hit Boeing first, and then everywhere else second. But everybody in the country seems to have felt that way about wherever they lived.
3: I learned two amazing things from that experience uh, on Twitter. One was, just as you say, parents and teachers around America universally told the children that their town was in the top three sites that the (laughs) Soviets were going to bomb.
0: Well, it's like a good news. It's like, hey, you know, we're, we're all going to die, but guess what? We get to not suffer. we, yeah, we, we go get to go first. We get to not roam the, the charred earth looking for scraps of non-irradiated
3: food. <laughs> the, the, uh, but the craziest thing I learned was I have a lot of Twitter followers in Poland and Hungary and Czech Republic and what was once East Germany, and almost to the last, those kids— did not grow up thinking that uh, nuclear annihilation was just over the horizon.
0: They weren't singing, I hope the Americans love their children too.
3: No, they saw us more like maybe some, some friendly people who were going to bring them blue jeans. Uh, I can't emphasize the contrast enough. And it made me, it ignited me, this new understanding that not only was the Soviet threat a fantasy, and that we were raised to think that every time somebody slammed a door maybe it was a 40 megaton warhead going off right but that that we didn't they they even weren't even scared of us <laughs> they didn't care about it at all they were just like oh i hope i hope we get to
0: see that new american movie one day <laughs> we were just the hippies who might be coming to town
3: it's infuriating to me Right. I mean I, I still have all the and I and I feel like our our culture now of zombie movies and and I mean all of the all the zombie movies are being made by people in their 40s now. Yeah. And I think it's just it's a memory of feeling like one day you're going to come out of a hole in the ground and everyone is going to be a mutant and you're and like you say you're going to you're just looking for like the last cucumber on earth that isn't poisonous. <laughs> That's John Roderick. He has a
0: podcast also called Roderick on the Line. You can find that on internet. John has a new Christmas album coming out soon with Jonathan Colton. You be on the lookout for that too. When John Roderick was on Wits, he performed his song Not Moving to Portland with our own John Munson. I, John Moe, was there too. It was a John slot. Here are the two Johns without me performing that song.
4: with a ticket and a chart explaining how we're not that far apart but you lost me on the way and though you claim you've got a plan to go I feel your body moving closer even so but you've got to follow your feelings and you should know I don't want to leave just to go and I'm not trying to be hard to reach but I put my only suitcase and I said So you sing it the way you want to hear it sung. You grab the telephone a minute before it's rung. And you call out into space saying, do you ever want to run? Well, I want to run, and I want you to come. Just as you first came to me, wearing only perfume and a coat, and two to my to drain. hope well it's got me by the throat and all your bicycles are dreaming of their brakes but my dreams have all been fakes up fakes And I, I waited to say so I want you just as you first came to me Wearing only perfume and a coat And too, too much to drink
0: John Roderick at Wits with John Munson performing Not Moving to Portland. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you for listening, and thanks to Bill Corbett for arranging our Warhorse interview. Bill is formerly of Mystery Science Theater 3000, that amalgamation of pretend robots and real people making fun of terrible movies. Bill's also part of the comedy collective Riff Tracks, which does much the same thing. They'll be doing a live event simulcast to movie theaters making fun of the movie Birdemic, Birds, combined with Epidemic or Pandemic. Anyway, it's terrible. It'll be hilarious. That's on Thursday, October 25th. More information at That's RiffTrax.com. That's R I F F T R A X.com. As always, we urge you to write reviews of this podcast on iTunes. Give us stars, give us your thoughts, tell your friends, wake the neighbors. We're on Twitter at Wits, and we're online at MPR, that's M as in Minnesota, PR.org, slash Wits, information there on our fall season, which kicks off November 2nd, with Dave Foley and Mike Doty. If you're in the Twin Cities-ish area and you want to catch a show, get on that, my friend. Tickets are going fast, like hotcakes. Our MySpace page is still under construction. We have not yet begun to build. Our friends to presence. I'm John Moe. Bye now. We should have been gone!